everyone. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Ison podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with Birta Apipa, who was crowned Miss Universe Iceland in 2019. I normally don't follow beauty pageants, regardless if it's in the U.S., Iceland, or anywhere else, but Birta Apipa's story really stuck out to me. I read an article about her experience with racism in Iceland, and I was really shocked by what she had experienced and was expressing in terms of her childhood here. She is an Icelander that has mixed heritage, and she was born and raised in the town that I live in called Mosfellsbær. And while growing up, she experienced physical and verbal abuse just because of the color of her skin. She will, of course, go into more detail during the interview, but it really breaks my heart to know that she did so many things to try and change her appearance, such as trying to stay out of the sun so she would appear whiter, as well as trying to straighten her super beautiful curly hair. And that was just because she wasn't fitting in and also being made to feel like an outsider because she was being bullied. So her journey to self-love was a rough one, but she persevered. I think it's absolutely amazing that she ended up becoming Miss Universe Iceland because she is able to show the world that Icelanders can also be people of color with beautiful curly afros. Also, she's using her platform in order to bring awareness about these types of issues. So specifically in Iceland, and she does go into this as well, she is advocating for more education around diversity, particularly with children. So this is undoubtedly a very insightful interview, at least in my opinion. I hope you feel the same. If you are enjoying this podcast, I think you'd also like the All Things Iceland community on Patreon, where I share loads of different types of content that I'm not sharing on any other platform, such as Folklore Friday, Ask Me Anythings every month, live chat groups every month, Icelandic News Roundup links each week, and more. The Ausgardur membership tier gets a gift from me each year and a shout out each month in an episode of the podcast. On that note, I'd like to give a shout out to Gail, Oliver, Julia, Paul, Noah, Betty, Mark, and Danielle, who are all members of the Ausgardur tier. And there are four tiers on the platform. As a member, not only do you get exclusive content, but you're also helping to support the evolution of this show. The link to join is patreon.com forward slash all things Iceland. The link will also be available in the show notes of this episode on allthingsiceland.com. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. And congratulations again for finishing up your year as Miss Iceland. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. <laughs> yeah. It must have been a whirlwind as well. Like just a whole lot of stuff that happened this year. It has been a complete whirlwind. Well, it's actually been mostly because of, sadly, the pandemic. So usually yeah. when a queen is done competing in Miss Universe, they go and start traveling around the world, but I've been staying home a lot, <laughs> like oh, everybody else no. should do, and yeah. that has been wonderful, but 
there's some things I wish I could have done. Yeah. Hopefully in the near-ish future when things calm down, you have a chance to kind of, uh, it won't be the same way, but at least, you know, go out and, <laughs> and travel around and do some of those things. Yeah, I think everybody is going to be jumping on that opportunity. Yeah, it'd probably be like a roaring party all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in regards, though, before we kind of go into your life becoming Miss Iceland, mm-hmm. there's a lot that's happened with you living here, being raised, born and raised in Mosa, which is funny that we both live in Mosa. <gasps> or do you still currently live there? Yeah, I still currently live there. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we weirdly enough live very close to each other, and I, I've never seen you in Mosa, and I'm sure you've probably never seen me either. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we, we see, <laughs> you never yeah, see yeah, the people you want to see, but then once you know they're there, <laughs> you always see them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Even though we did meet each other at the Black Lives Matter gathering yes, we recently did. and it was very lovely to meet you in person and it was also before meeting you and before even the Miss Iceland uh, pageant there was a an article that came out and talking about your experience growing up here in Iceland and specifically you're growing up in Moso so I was just wondering if you can expand upon a bit what was it like for you growing up here and looking different than the other kids that you were around in school well When it comes to the article I wrote, it was both um, heading about my childhood and talking about my experience competing in Miss Universe Iceland. And it all centers around one thing, and that is lack of representation that we have in Icelandic media when it comes to anybody different than white. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, the racism I have endured since I was a little kid. And it comes in small doses, like being... When, <laughs> when the Second World War was in Iceland, uh, the government banned black soldiers to come to Iceland because they didn't want the white yeah. women to mix with them. But there was this call that was called Ausstandet. And when my mom was walking with me as a little baby in a stroller, just taking the bus somewhere in the middle of town, two old ladies came yeah. up to me and pointed at me and said, oh, so still Ausstandet is happening here. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. And when I was a child, my name is Pirta Apipa, and Apipa kind of sounds like monkey in Icelandic, like Ape. So I would call Pirta Ape, and over time, those little things start picking away at you. And I started to try to adapt to what I saw, which is a lot of white, like, like white stars in Iceland, or white people on TV, or in the musicals, or in anything I watch. So I bleached my hair and straightened it. I tried to stay as far away from the sun as I could. And I tried to like ignore everything about me that looked different. I was still sticking out like a sore thumb. But then I started to use the approach, break yourself down before anybody else can break you. So I used to say Mm. the racist jokes. I used to let people call me the N-word and laugh along with them like it was fine to try to tell myself that it's fine if they make fun of me. And I've had so many kids reach out to me, not just like um, half like African and Icelandic like me, but every race with almost the identical story for me where they grow up hearing these things and slowly they try to cope with it by letting people just do it to them. And because there is not a lot of racial classes in Iceland, like yeah. there is nothing. We are still moving very slowly <laughs> when it comes to having the correct representation and when it comes to having education in class. 
And mm -hmm. I wanted to be a part of that movement because I remember also the first time I saw a beauty pageant on TV. And I okay. thought it was the bee's knees. <laughs> I remember seeing those girls and they looked so beautiful and so graceful and nobody looked like me. <laughs> and once again, oh, yeah. I felt a little bit of a, like a slap in the face because I wanted somebody yeah. that looked just like me to win because this was supposed to be the girl most beautiful in Iceland. Yeah. And wow. So when I decided to compete, I wanted to be able to use my platform to educate and raise awareness for what many other Icelanders are going through. And I was yeah. so shocked, but still not that surprised when I got thousands of messages from both parents yeah. and mom, like moms and dads saying like, oh, we have a mixed risk kid. Thank you so much yeah. for talking about it. And kids as well telling me, you know, hi. Like, I've been called a lot of racial slurs, and I let my class do it to me. Mm. Or, like, this is the day I'm not going to let anybody call me this. Or we watched it yeah. in school. And I think just opening the conversation, it doesn't matter who does it. Just as long as we keep having the conversation open, we will keep moving forward. And I'm just very grateful that I got to use my platform to be a part of this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for... <laughs> Allowing, you know, us to kind of get some insight into your world and also sharing your experience because it's not easy, obviously, to live in a place literally where everybody looks different than you. And like you were saying, you're not, you're just feeling like you're just doing your best to assimilate to yeah. it. And that meant like tearing yourself down, which is, is awful to have to feel like you cannot be your true self because you don't believe that people, and people weren't being very nice to you either. That's the other thing is that no. they were discriminating against you. So it wasn't just something like, you know, you're feeling this only inwardly, you're actually experiencing it from the out, outside as well. And I, I heard that you had, you know, at one point learned to love yourself. Yeah. And so being in this environment, though, where you're not getting that type of imagery or the people around you, even though you might be getting, you know, love from your family, what did you do in order to get to a place where you felt like, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to let my hair be its curly, beautiful self and just be unapologetically you. Well, first things first, I think a big part of it started like when I was little, there's always something good and bad. There's always something to counteract the bad. And even though my like um, confidence was starting to be in just like rubbles, I still have the first black Barbie doll that my dad got me. Because he had to go nice. to America to buy it because they didn't sell it here in Iceland. Wow, yeah. Um, but she still had straight hair. And I remember that when I had bleached it for the second time, I was looking at the Barbie doll and I was noticing that, like, I have type um, 3B curls <laughs> and they are not taking well to the bleach <laughs> and the straightening. <Yeah. laughs> and they were starting to break up at the root. And Oof. I was living in Spain at the time with my family only for a half a year there. And I went to a hair salon and she looked at my hair and she just said, okay, you have two options. You shave off all your hair or it breaks down and you will just have strong bald spots. Ooh. And as a girl, it's kind of rooted in us. Like, you know, long hair is very pretty. And I remember yeah. just sitting there like, okay, let's just take it off. Let's just take it off. Oh. <laughs> and 
as like I had no hair at all. She just buzz cut it all off. <laughs> wow. I remember I kind of started at ground zero when it came to first accepting that and learning how to like take care of that hair because I come from a completely white family and the only one who could do anything was my grandma who lived at the farm because she could just braid horses. So like braiding curly hair was nothing different. <laughs> so it wasn't thick or anything. It was just, it was just normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I had to learn from the beginning to start to love my hair. And I think everything just came with it. I think as soon as I looked in the mirror and I could say like, oh, I look really cute today with my little afro. Everything just started to fall into place and I felt less and less need to like start to straighten it and I felt less and less need to apologize for it. Mm. And even though it's a constant battle to just truly love yourself and I yeah. want all kids to know that it's okay if you wake up some days and you're not a hundred percent like I'm the greatest today because that's fine. Everybody feels like yeah. that. It's okay yeah. to take small steps too to have, find something about yourself that you truly love. And I think that's very important. And I think every kid needs just to know that they're the greatest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, because I used to say, like, in my um, statements when I was Miss Universe Iceland, and a lot of people said, you know, oh, that's kind of weird that she would say this, that I said, like, it truly is what's on the inside that matters. But I don't mm -hmm. think people understood that what I meant was, in the end, our physical appearance, it will all, it will all just age and we will all look yeah. old and gray and be, <laughs> and we won't be this ideal standard of beauty anymore. But if we are a good person and if we do our best to be kind to everyone, we'll always be beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great message. And I think it's what, a reminder too for adults Yeah, because especially now when a lot of us are stuck in the house and we're just kind of like, you know what I mean? You're just like walking around in your sweats or whatever else. Yes. You just don't feel, you don't feel cute. <laughs> right? And, and I, I think just in general, it's, it's, it weighs on all of us in different ways, but especially children. I mean, you're internalizing that you're not good enough from an early age yeah. and you're not seeing, like you said, the representation of yourself when it comes to standards of beauty. So, okay. So you decide at some point to get involved with, this pageant in Iceland. Yeah. Were you doing anything like this beforehand? When it comes to pageants, no. Uh, <laughs> as you might know, Europe is a very, like, especially Northern Europe, we're not very pageant-centered country. Mm -mm, um, mm -mm. So there's only one pageant like this. And there are no male pageants and no children pageants. So I had never, like, walked in high heels when it came to this. Like, what? no, I've only gotten, like, <laughs> A pair borrowed from my mom when I was like going to a dance, but I never walked like on a platform. I did not right, know how yeah. to do know how to do my makeup. Um, one thing I was strong in was speaking English and like performing. That was my only like strength, but everything else okay. was a complete start. And I didn't have an Instagram before I started the pageant, so I made an Instagram to start what? the pageant. No. <laughs> That's kind of unusual for, I feel like, around your age. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Do you have TikTok? No, I do have TikTok now. I love watching. Okay. Like, I'm a TikTok stalker. <laughs> I don't post, but I just stalk everyone. Um, but I just started everything anew, and it was all very new to me. 
And then that's why I was so disappointed when um, I got messages on like my social media, like private, like um, anonymous messages when we started to promote um, voting for people's choice. So everybody can like you post in your story and like your friends and your family, they can just like vote for you there. And I got messages that they were not going to vote for me because I wasn't Icelandic and they didn't want me. And I also got like, I've heard from people talking about me to, um, they didn't want me to win because I don't represent Iceland. I don't represent that beauty standard. And even in small doses, when people with love were trying to help me tell me, Hey, maybe you should straighten your hair as you compete. And maybe you should not, because all the girls get spray tans, you know, to look like less shiny yeah. on stage. You're like, maybe you should not get a spray tan. Like people around me, not the pageant like organization, thank God. But, and I think those like little small comments, they made me like, I just sat at home and I looked at my mom and I like started to get like my eyes teary eyed. And I was like, I think I'm going to quit. Like, I don't like care about this. And I'd already like written something about what I was like, what was happening because I thought it was important. And this is, was important to talk about even if I would lose the pageant like who cares like every single child that I've talked to and every single adult that I've talked to who's been in Iceland has had some experience whether big or small where they just got yeah. a little bit like I don't belong here <laughs> yeah every single one so I thought well I have the platform and my mom just kind of shook me <laughs> and she was like are you my daughter or not and she's like are you gonna let somebody that has no like value on your life have value on your life and I thought like no I guess not (laughs) and it's all about that the people who matter to you will never say these kinds of things and the people that don't will so I made that post and in one night I'd gotten like over thousands and thousands of messages from kids and adults and people that didn't even live in Iceland anymore like (laughs) mixed race like adults that had moved away from Iceland and were like, hi, I live in Sweden now, but I just wanted to say I really relate to your story. And then I went and I started um, going like on news sites and then um, like interviews. And then I won my pageant, which was wonderful. And Mm -hmm. my- On your birthday. On my birthday. (laughs) Yeah, awesome 20th birthday gift. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And then I just, on my birthday, went home, like, with a bag of chips and, like, an energy drink. And I just laid in bed with a crown <laughs> on my head and I just thought, this is cool. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> Celebration bag of chips and energy drink. <laughs> how was it, because I know it's a competition, but how was it amongst the people you were competing with? Were they receptive to you as well? Or was it also, like, they were just kind of like, this is, you know, like a similar feel to the people that have been sending you these messages that were not so nice. No, definitely not. I think when you're competing in a pageant with like full of girls that all want to represent something bigger than themselves, it starts to be about so much more. And I especially felt that when I was mm-hmm. in Miss Universe and in Miss Universe Iceland, it's kind of, because we were always together. So it was like being like family because we were always together. And I think at the end we were all like, oh, like, I need to borrow that shoe, like, butt tape. And they were like, oh, fine. <laughs> so it's kind of like a sisterhood where you're like, oh, you're kind of like, oh, I can't wait to be done with them. But then on the final night, we were all like, oh, I'm going to miss you guys so much. Aww, I love you all. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that was my great acting, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next career move. <laughs> yes, definitely. But I think, so I was very lucky that all the girls were very supportive and very wonderful. And especially when I went out to Miss Universe Iceland and my sister yeah. queens, like, so when I won, two other girls also won with me, like different okay. titles. And um, I was very lucky with them. And it was just wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah. And awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And when you won, what, what was the reaction in the country? Because I know you mentioned that, you know, there have been people that were sending you messages, but in the news, what was, or what, you know, what feeling were you getting at least about the reaction? I remember when I posted my, um, my article about everything that like, I always, I only talk about bits and pieces of things that happened in my childhood because I don't think the like things define you. But I think mm-hmm. it's very important to use them as an educational tool. And then I talk about what happened during the pageant. And that was like the largest one. And I remember when it came into the news outlets, I my mom called me because I was at my friend's house. And she said, don't read the comments. She's like, do not read the comments. Don't dare. Uh, and yeah. as soon as I, she, I hear that, I'm like, oh, there are comments? I need, yeah. to, I need <laughs> to read these comments. <laughs> and I just remember a lot of people, a lot of white people arguing about the factualities of my life. So a lot of people telling me that I'm like a liar. And then a lot of people telling those people like, you don't get to tell her she's a liar. (laughs) And there was a lot, there was a big argument. And I was very worried that when I would win, I would like log on to like visit (laughs) and just read the comments like a crazy person. But so I didn't let myself actually on my birthday read anything about me winning good for you i said like no it's my birthday i'm not gonna be negative <laughs> it's my day <laughs> yeah so i'm not sure when it comes to like the broad consensus like during like my first few days as queen but i just remember that i also had that thought in my head that if i helped one kid like one kid could look at the TV and see themselves like in this pageant because I know yeah. how much girls like this kinds of stuff. Even though there's some people today that say this is outdated and we shouldn't be pushing this anymore. Like I still love it. I still think it's a wonderful opportunity for girls to like grow in confidence or push something that really is important to them and to see mm-hmm. something different, something change. Yeah. And I yeah. know that I had videos from parents filming their kids with their little curly hair, staring at me on the TV and screaming oh. their head off what I won. And I would have done oh, the same amazing. if somebody else yeah. that's not me would have been winning these kinds of pageants when I was a little kid. I would have done the same if I would have seen like a black Barbie in the store. I would have done the yeah. same if I'd seen a brown baby born, like the baby doll. I think just seeing like these small bits, small bits in history that don't really matter in the grand scheme always matter for people's individual lives because they don't know how hard it can be to never see yourself in like that beauty standard or in that um or in that like musician or or I remember when I was in like a school play because they we had this thing like my school had a lot of blackface school plays and then when I was cast Yeah, and then when I was uh, yeah, in a yeah, play, yeah. thank God it wasn't a blackface play, but I was still cast with the rapping part. Because 
And when I asked, okay, so it's always I like a stereotypical how... type of yeah. yeah. And I think you know, <laughs> wasn't great, <laughs> but I think it's okay. all wonderful, and I'm very grateful. <laughs> yeah, and I I hear what you're saying when you when you're mentioning that you feel like these are small bits, but I I really feel like these are pivotal moments for society, for the country, and I think as a whole, when it comes to representing Iceland and showing the diversity here, because there is a lack of that, I feel like in the main media, when you see like images that represent Iceland, you're not normally seeing the different types of people that live here, even though, and for you, I mean, you are an Icelander, meaning born, raised, like this is where you, you know, your identity is. And there are people who are coming from abroad, to live here who are foreigners and they make up 15% of the population now. Yeah. You know, so it's like, this is a changing place. And like every place in the world, it's, it's adapting and changing and people need to be able to see that. And it's a good thing. And it's bringing lots of different ideas. And like you mentioned, like representation to people who like yourself growing up here are Icelandic and just want to feel like they belong, like they are beautiful, that they are accepted. And that is, to me, a huge thing, especially if it's even just one child. Like you mentioned, that one child could change the course of history just because they felt like they belong. And I think talking to you, and now I think of my past three days um, since I've given away the crown. Yeah. And um, I gave away the crown. And then the day after, um, I had a taxi driver tell me that he wanted to teach me Icelandic because he thought I was a foreigner. And the day after, oh, yeah, yeah. and the day after that, <laughs> and, the day, and the day after that, um, a mom of a girl who was four years old, brown like me, um, told me that her friend had shown her daughter like my Instagram because her daughter was starting to experience people calling her ugly and like dirty, and she wanted to show her that like, hey, you know, the prettiest woman of Iceland last year, she was brown just like you. And I think this is what really encompasses my win because it will always be sometimes it feels like an uphill battle because I think when I sit in a ta- like a ca- taxi and I drive past a like 10 foot billboard of my face because <laughs> I'm in the commercial and then, yeah, the ta- <laughs> and then the taxi driver tells me that he can't wait to teach me Icelandic in a car full of white people. And I sit there and I just think, oh, like, is this a fight I'm going to take? And it can get difficult. And I know, so when kids tell me, like, that they are tired and they don't want to take this fight or they're really angry and every time something happens, they just want to explode, I want to tell everyone, like, I know. (laughs) And I wish I could fix it or take it all away and just deal with it all myself. And I know how hard it can be and I know it can feel hopeless but that's yeah. what we have to just continue with the conversation because my favorite Icelandic saying is Falfrade lever i Because that is... And, and just let everybody know what this means. Yeah. So <laughs> everybody knows what Falfrade lever means. No, it means that Falfrade, um, um, I'm trying to find the best word to encompasses it. I think it would be... Um, Like, lack of knowledge when it comes to, like, racial things or when it comes to um, discrimination or any of that sort. So the lack of knowledge will keep those things alive. 
So if we don't mm. keep talking about them, if we don't keep educating about them, if we just shut off the conversation and if we just let this happen, it will just keep growing. It's like a weed right. in the grass. So we have to keep going and we have to keep talking. And I think my biggest proudest moment as Miss Iceland was I got to visit our educational prime minister and talk about how I think we really mm. need to push racial education in schools. And that was just after the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah. Um, and I think everybody can do their part, but it's okay if you don't want to discuss race. Like that's when I mm. have like kids that call me and they're like, so like my mom tells me I need to like educate my classmates, but I don't want to because <laughs> mm. I feel like they'll single me out and that's okay too. Like yeah. only person that matters should be you and you feeling good and comfortable and just knowing that you belong in this country and that you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. And you're a great role model for that. And I think that's important too. But you said like, you shouldn't have to feel that burden, especially as a kid especially to have to educate everybody else. Yeah. Okay. So after you win, yeah, you're celebrating your 20th birthday. You've got your chips. You got your energy drink and your all these experiences. How did your life change? Because now you're, you're would go off to the big Miss Universe, you know, pageants and stuff like that. So what happened after that? Well, after the Miss Universe pageant, I came home. <laughs> well, like in the pageant, it was wonderful because I met so many amazing girls. Um, I had like so many of them had done so many amazing things. I reached into the top 10. It was very proper by country. And then I came home yeah. and there were so many doors that were just already opening. And there were so many plans. I'd already had like booked my entire year that I was just barely going to be at home. I was just going to be traveling and doing a wow. lot of different opportunities. And then Iceland shut it country down. <laughs> and yeah. I just sat down in my bed and I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, okay, so I might not be able to go to like Carnival in Barbados and Bahamas, but it's okay. I will, you know, I'll probably go to New York to walk on Fashion Week again. No. <laughs> or I'll probably I... go to do this. No, no, no. And now I'm, but now I'm home, <laughs> which I truly adore because I like being home. I'm a, like, I'm a, I like reading a lot. I've been getting a lot of reading. <laughs> like I turned into a hermit. Like everybody, like some people were puzzling, some people were baking. I was just reading in my bed. Um, and I got to be very lucky that I've been like working a lot. Like I work as a model, so that's very mm -hmm. fun. I've been doing that since I was a little kid. So like just little projects here and there when they need like a little brown baby. That's <laughs> always been me. <laughs> So now I've been and, working with yeah. that. So it's been pretty good. Okay. And, and I've, I've seen you uh, modeling in Icelandic Lopapesa. Yes. For, <laughs> I think it was it for East Tech or something else. Um, it was for Lope, um, versus East Tech. Lope, it's in, okay. in, it's in Mosho. But yeah, it's right. in, because I watched your video. That was the first thing that was recommended with me with you when you were talking about Lopapesa. Because you are so right. Everybody owns a Lopapesa that's made either by like, their grandma or their mom yeah. or their aunt. Like every single Icelander has like one face other like, oh yeah, my grandma made this. It's cool. <laughs> so when I got to be in Lope, because I used to like, my grandma had all the magazines because she's a knitter. So yeah, I used okay. to like flip over the magazines because I was like, oh wow, this is like Vogue, <laughs> but not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but just knitting sweaters. Lope, Pesa, Vogue. Yes. <laughs> just patterns how to make a sweater. 
So when I was on Lopa, I called my grandma and I was like, you'll never believe it. And I was like, I made it, grandma. And she was like, what? You made what? And I was like, just go to like Haku. And she was like, all right. And then she was like, oh, it's you. <laughs> That's so cute. So it was a proud moment. She's probably going to like frame it and like. <laughs> well, she has two. Okay. So it's like, it's very fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's sweet. And also, awesome, again, it's like when I saw it, I was like, oh, it's Berta Apima. Like, I was, like, you know, I was also excited, even though I don't know you personally. So it's like, and it's, it's true, it's nice when you see the different types of people that are here and, and see them represented. Regarding, okay, so you your life changed, and of course, COVID has been putting a damper on everyone's life. Changing, I should say. I would say it's, it's hard for many people for different reasons. Of course, there are people who have lost people, and that's so hard. And in Iceland, even though it's not been an ideal situation, we're still very fortunate to be in a place where, for the most part, things have been like people have gotten sick, and you know, yes, um, very but fortunate. people are still getting, yeah, but we're still isolated in this way that yeah. we're not. Like in the U.S., for instance, where it's kind of running rampant. And regarding though, okay, now you're in this space where you're at home, you're reading, you're on Instagram, <laughs> you're posting. Do you feel like the impact is still continuously happening? Meaning, like you having one, there's Black Lives Matter. There are people who are other other multi or multi race individuals so they're mixed and living in ice and this conversation has kind of been building up a lot more I don't know if you've been you know seeing this and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are and your feelings about the fact that the conversation is becoming bigger and we're hearing now from different individuals such as yourself who feel like we really need to not only continue this conversation but do some something that some action to make this change what I've said from the beginning of um, when I started talking about this is what we need is educational practices in every single school in Iceland. I think it's um, I think we are damaging every child in Iceland by not pushing this into their schools because just as how they are taught that they do not say um, gay slurs and just as how they are taught and that they do not punish other kids for being different. Um, when it comes mm-hmm. to race, the conversation is moot. And when it comes to teachers mm. and when it comes to race, they are not taught how to properly handle if something racially insensitive is happening. And they are not taught right. how to properly handle if a kid comes to them and says, I think like this teacher is being like racist towards me. They do not know mm. how to properly handle that. And I think that if we don't continue pushing that um, subject, and I think it needs to go to Grunschkules, like, and that's, if you don't know, it's schools from like, uh, not you, <laughs> the audience doesn't yeah. know. That's I have that, yeah. From six to 10 years, <laughs> like that's schools from when you're six to 16 years old. I don't think mm-hmm. like, cause kids are very adaptable. And I think yeah. a lot of people um, have said like, oh, but this is such a hard subject to talk about. This is so bad, but they already know, but they don't know, like, and, but they're not learning the right way. And they're so, because right. I remember like when kids, like I worked with Reda uh, Krasin in Iceland and I remember a six-year-old girl coming to me and she pointed at me and she's like, why are you brown? <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. well, and she's like, no, don't answer. I know why you're brown. You're always on vacations. My mom is also always brown because she's always in the sun. <laughs> and then she just walked away. <laughs> and I was just like, looked and I was like, well, I, I guess. <laughs> But with kids, you're always on vacation. <laughs> and I remember when I was in kindergarten, like other kids would call me Cocoa Puffs, like the cereal, because I was brown and sweet. And I didn't see yeah. anything wrong with that because 
to me, there was nothing. It was just blissful ignorance. Um, yeah. But as kids grow older, um, the words and the meanings get crueler. And if they are not mm. corrected, because kids, they're not hard for them to say, like, what you're doing is wrong and it's hurtful. And then kids will understand. Mm-hmm. But if you never correct this behavior, they will let themselves correct this behavior. Yeah, of course. And I see that it's easiest, I think, to talk to young kids because I have talked to young kids um, about this kinds of like about these issues and about kids that maybe have been the bad guy in this situation, mm. and they are easy and easier to like reciprocate the information you're giving them. But when it comes to adults, they will shut down. Yeah. So I think if we don't push this in schools when kids are still learning and still growing into human beings, um, yeah. we will never get the real progress that we need. Agreed. What was the reaction or at least the response of the education minister when you said this? It was very positive. Um, and I think that like what I was pushing the fact that I like think we all need to have it in every like kinfraisla so you know when you are learning about everything <laughs> sex related and yeah. then bullying and drug related because it's such a big um subject and we were talking about how it would be the best way to approach this because i think when black lives matter everybody because this like i think a lot of people keep forgetting that black lives matter has been a movement going on for years now yeah um, exactly and sadly it usually pops up again in the high numbers when we see another person being brutally murdered um by the police force in america and i think everybody was very receptive for ideas and very receptive for support because like we met on the protest and it was a beautiful time because so many people yeah. came to show their support um and i think this is the time because if we don't do something now, like, especially in Iceland, where people have been attacked for their race, where kids have been attacked by other kids for their race, mm-hmm. um, we need to start pushing prevention right now because things only escalate. Right. That's how history, like, shows itself. Things will only escalate. Yeah. So if we don't push, like, prevention and education now, we can't, like, be, oh, what happened? <laughs> No. Yeah, exactly. It's like all the all the signs are there, but it's whether you're not you're gonna pay attention to them or take them seriously. Yeah. But I think that's another thing. Like even when I've seen things here that have don't have to do with race necessarily. Well, I shouldn't say not right with race, but I've seen like swastikas that yes. were carved into the bus stop before, and that I mean, just I'm I'm not Jewish, and uh, still when I saw it, I was just like, this is like. It's just horrible. Like I just, I just was so speechless when I was taking the bus to go to yoga of all things, right? So it's just like, it's like talk about rattling your brain out of that mindset. And this is here in Moso. And it just, it's to the point where I called good enough to my husband and I was just like, this is insane. I can't believe this. And he ended up calling the city to be like, you know, you have to do something about it. And they painted over it. But when I posted about it on Facebook, people were like, you know, that's just kids being, you know, stupid or something like that. And it was this whole idea of like brushing it off about just kids. And I was like, no, this is deeply offensive to the Jewish people that live here, to any person who is against hate discrimination. Like the idea that you're just this, what this symbol represents and what we know it to represent from, you know, school and everything else. 
we can't just say it's just kids. I mean, who knows? We don't know who did it, first of all. But this is idea of like, eh, let's not give this too much attention. You know, we've seen this before and, and it's not a big thing. It's like these things, like you mentioned, they're red flags. They're potential for escalation within the society. And we need to nip those in the bud, yeah. for sure. And the excuse that they are just kids will never work for me, at least, because I know that children are available for huge amounts of empathy. And mm. when it comes to these kinds of things, because I remember I talked about when I was in Grunskole in, in Mosho, um, me and another boy were having an argument. And then he tells me, like, he looks at his friends and he says, um, you don't um, punch up. Uh, and then another it. But inward. Yeah, and then he, yeah. But you kick him, and then he kicked me. Um, what? Yes, in the stomach, and it wasn't great. <laughs> but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that when I talk about it, like when you read back, like, and I remember I have it in my journal from when I was in seventh grade. And I was like, this is the worst. I want to move. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, when I talk about it, um, I remember a lot of people were saying, like, how do we know this boy was Icelandic? How do we know he wasn't like a foreigner because he was speaking English? Um, and they always, it's so, I think a lot of people want to find a villain that doesn't associate mm. with them. So they want to push it out to be like, yes, but no, in America, there's racism. In Iceland, we're good. Like, um, in, like in this country, they are breaking like the rules and being bad, but we are in a utopia. And I think yeah. this like idea that we cannot get better and that we are already the greatest that we can be can only damage us further. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that we need to have a discussion on, but I think more people need to be open to that discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. That's being physically assaulted is insane. And definitely not like I mentioned, what a lot of people would assume would happen here. Right. So you're, opening a lot of eyes for sure just by sharing your experience and I, I very much appreciate you being so open about it even though I know that you mentioned that like you know you you've gotten to a place where you love yourself but it can be hard I'm sure some days are yes. better than others when you take these memories on and you're just like breaking down life and the things that have happened because you're just trying to live your best life right? <laughs> you know, and, it, you know and, and, and it's amazing that you've gotten to a point where you're it's Iceland and there's so much more ahead of you including the fact that you've written a, a full novel I've heard yes <laughs> which is pretty awesome okay so if you want to like well, well I mean if you have anything else you want to talk about yeah course, you can always but chime in. I think um what you said like um it can be hard to love yourself and I hope like I push I try to push the message that it's okay not to be okay sometimes so when this happened to me the day after I like gave a man my crown and I had this experience where like some people will say, Oh, but it wasn't like racism. It was just like a little prejudice or like, you know, he just assumed you were a foreigner, but I still cried. I came home and I cried because I was so sad about it. Cause I felt like once again, that like, even though for a whole year I pushed this whole subject and I was like the face of my country for a lot of Americans, yeah. <laughs> um, somebody at home didn't feel like I belonged. And I think a lot of kids need to know that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to let this affect you. You do not as a child or as a grown-up or as anyone need to put on like a strong front and like this doesn't affect me because we're all human. 
And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay that things get hard. And I think we kind of, and I think it's kind of sad that we kind of push kids into this, like, be a warrior role. Don't cry. It's yeah. okay. Because you have to let them feel these things. Because, like, the clouds, they will part eventually. But if we don't, if we just push them down, it will take so much longer. I think yeah. if I would have confronted how I felt as a kid head on um, and had, like, some support, like, on those kinds of issues... I wouldn't have drawn so far back into like, I'm just going to pretend I'm Malibu Barbie and I mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's like, let's all ignore that. I am dark. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, yeah. It's just, um, woo, that's, that's hard. Literally trying to put on a face that you don't have. Yes. Right? Like it's who like uh, the bluest eye. I don't know if you've read that book, but yeah. if you haven't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that book always makes me cry because the delusion and if anyone hasn't read it I will put it a link to it in the description <laughs> box just so you can get an idea of what I'm talking about but um there is delusion that you do in order to feel better about yourself and this can become a full-blown mental illness for people because of it you know just because of wanting to just belong so yeah okay <laughs> in regards to the I have one more question about the myth universe like the larger pageant there when you showed up as Miss Iceland was there like okay <laughs> as Miss Iceland I'm mixed race, you know what I mean like, I'm very used to the question like where are you from and I say oh Iceland they're like no <laughs> no mm. where are you from and I'd be like I- Iceland I'm Icelandic and they're like speak Icelandic and I'm like okay I should just go there yeah, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what that means. So <laughs> there were a lot of people that like, um, like if I said I was from Switzerland, they would be like, oh. And there is this um, thing in pageants where sometimes American like beauty queens, because there's only like one way to get to this universe, they will move to another country and then compete for that country. Oh, so a lot of people wow. actually assumed that I was an American that had just moved to Iceland. And to compete in Miss Universe. And I was kind of offended because wow. I was like, do you not think I would have picked somewhere warmer <laughs> if I was going to sneak into like a country pageant? <laughs> like I would not have wasted my time in that snow if I could have just picked like any other place. <laughs> yeah, that is but, um, Okay. So that was really fun. But um, when I talked to all the other like Europe girls, like especially Northern Europe, because um. Like, you know, like us and like Poland and Denmark and Sweden and like all those countries that are very up on the equator. We all have kind of like the same feeling. We're all kind of like the same like bitter old men that are like, it's not cold here. Like, where is my coffee? (laughs) And I noticed very like strongly because my roommate was Miss Poland. That the first thing she said when she comes to our room is like, oh my God, it's cold in here. And I just thought you must be from Europe. There's something about the bitter way you said that. And she was like, yeah, Poland. I was like, Iceland. She's like, really? And after a while, like, it didn't really matter what, like, any, like, what anybody, like, it was never, uh, like, oh, but where are you also from if you're from Iceland? It was just like, okay, you're Iceland. You're Norway. You're Sweden. Because we were all representing, like, the same country cluster because people started to board with their, like, kind of same countries. So I think that was, yeah. in the end, it was just very fun. <laughs> yeah, nice. 
And on a, like a, also another light note, you mentioned that when you met Steve Harvey, you said you liked his mustache. Oh yeah, I did. That was my um, I, that was my thing. I had watched him on Family Feud, and I always felt like he has a very thick mustache. And when I came up to him, like we were going to do the rehearsal, and I just like walked and I saw him, and I just didn't know what to say. But I was like, you have to say something. So I just looked at him and I was like, Mr. Harvey, and he looked at me and was like, yeah. And I just thought like. Like, I say something, say something now. And I was like, I like your mustache. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> and he was like, oh, th- thanks. So, yes. He was like, I, I grew up myself. And I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> goodbye. Oh and I thought, like, and I just, like, thought, like, oh, my God. I said, like, my one chance to, like, talk to Steve Harvey, like, maybe I won't get in. Like, and that was, I like your mustache. And then I did get, like, in top 20. And then I have the question with Steve Harvey, and that was about the fact that I had a pet cow growing up, like on my grandma's farm. <laughs> and he, I remember he asked me, like, he was like, he was like, oh, and what did you give? And I was like, oh, you have to give the pet, like the baby cow milk. And he was like, you give the cow milk. But I didn't get the joke. So I looked at him and he kind of looked at me like, you give the cow milk. And I looked at him like, yeah, it's a baby cow. And he was like, <laughs> it's like that's what and he was like, oh, all right. And it, I just thought like, oh, Steve, <laughs> our best friendship <laughs> is getting off to a rocky start, but we can get there. Memorable, though, yes. at least. I was, <laughs> I was one of the few people that got a selfie, and that was my proudest, proudest moment. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, so back to the fact that you are... An, well, you've written a novel. Have you yes. published it? No, I have not published it. The fact of the matter is, okay. I, my whole dream ever since I was little is I want to be an author. And I very much used to look up to one author um, okay. that shall not be named. <laughs> um, because cause they there's this author that wrote a big book series that everybody knows what is. And I remember, uh, okay. and I remember reading it and it really helped me during a time where I wasn't like, cause like I always said, like self-love doesn't just, you don't just turn on and you're like, ah, look at me. I'm the greatest. It takes a Uh while. And I think the hardest time for me was when I was like completely bleached hair, completely like never went out. Mm. If there was any sunlight to try to be as pale as possible. Um, And I read these books and they really, really helped me. And I always liked reading books, but these just touched something like in my little heart about just love and compassion. And I just decided like, I want to be a writer. I think I could be a writer. And a lot of people in my life were like, you want to be a writer? Like, don't you want to be like a model or an actor? I was like, no, I want to sit in a dark room and write. <laughs> I have this whole thing. In a dark room. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I think like my goal is I want to move to London and get one of my books published in London's. Like, this is me manifesting okay. that goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speak it to the universe. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Okay. And what do you like to write about? Do you have, like, specific genres that are Yeah. That are I like young adult fiction. And I like, like, magical and, like, romance. And I just really like young adults. And I'm a sappy, like, for romance. Like, I'm a, such a sucker. I'm so... Like, when it comes to true love, I love it. I love anything <laughs> romantic. I'm the biggest romantic, like, ugh, I love it so much. <laughs> like, even you and your boyfriend, sometimes it's just like, oh, you're so cute. Because I'm so, <laughs> I just love love. Thank you. 
Yeah. And I think That's it's crazy. just the greatest force in the universe and I just love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And I'm sure you'll do fine. You'll do great as an author because you have such great passion, obviously, for even just talking about the topic. So you'll definitely put a lot into it. And I look forward to reading one of your published works yeah. whenever you decide to, sure, to allow that to come out into the world, to birth your baby book, you know, basically your first one. <laughs> so good luck with that. Thank you. And we did already talk about your favorite authentic word or phrase. Yes. But I would love for you to, at least for the last, you know, question, or at least, you know, whatever you want to leave us with, and just in terms of overall, like you feel like what you, what you thought people to maybe know about Iceland, or just kind of understand so that as they're coming here, people who are listening to this, maybe they'll never come to Iceland, who knows. But for a lot of people who do want to come, mm-hmm. what do you think is important for them to understand? Okay, top three most important things to understand if you're going to come to Iceland. One, we don't tip. Um, it's actually when you try to give a waiter a tip, they have to put that tip in the cash register and it just goes to the restaurant. It doesn't go to the waiter because it's illegal to tip. Second, Icelandic people are not in the Blue Lagoon as much as tourists are in the Blue Lagoon. I have never met an Icelandic person that's been like, you know what, I'm going to the Blue Lagoon. It's more of a tourist attraction, but we all go at least one or two times. And third, yes, we do get used to the northern lights. Somehow, like, you get used to a rainbow. It's beautiful, but when you see it all the time, you know, it just kind of, it kind of comes, like, the norm. That's my top three, like, travel tips. Because I feel like when you come to Iceland, like, um, tourists always ask you these questions, like, can I tip? Like, do you not love the northern lights? And do you not love the Blue Lagoon? And we're like, "Eh, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Awesome. That was that was great. You really summed it up well. It was amazing to talk to you. You are a great role model and just a, a lovely person in general. And I hope that we get to meet sometime in Moso. Yes. We're both in the same place. And I really appreciate you coming on to share your experience, your insights, and just your passion for helping young kids. And adults alike. I know a lot of what you talk about is for children, but I feel like a lot of us adults can really take from this as well. And it's very much appreciated. And I am just so inspired by your journey. And I'm so looking forward to seeing the other things that you do. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for letting me come onto your channel and your podcast. I've been watching you for a while. First of all, I loved you because of your hair, and that is something I just, I'm a big hair girl, like I'm a big curly girl, I love the hair, so when I saw your hair, I thought like, oh, I have to see her, I have to see her, and I steal her hairstyle. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to ramble on and talk about this, because it really matters to me, and you giving me the chance to talk to you about it has just been wonderful. Yeah, my absolute pleasure and honor to have you. So, thank you. Thank you too. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>